This is Up Your RPG, helping you up your role-playing game. Did your players one-shot your carefully constructed big bad? Did they find a creative but maddeningly simple solution to an obstacle? Did they uncover a major plot twist at the beginning of a story, or even worse, step into a huge plot hole? What do you do now? Hey folks, thanks for joining us again on Up Your RPG. My name's Arthur. As always, I'm here with Michael and Emily, and this week we are joined by Rick. Hey everybody. Emily, I am passing the show right over to you. Great. So I'm kind of excited about this week, not because I feel like I have so much to contribute, but because I'm excited to hear some of the things that have been happening behind the scenes that might get revealed. Um, but I don't know. I'm not saying there's a big reveal coming, so don't get too excited. We'll see what happens. But I wanted to just start perhaps with an example because I know that Rick just finished a big, what, three-year campaign? Just about, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just about three yeah. years with your D&D group. And so I thought, having finished that, you might have some stories that you could share without spoilers. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so we, we just finished Dungeon of the Mad Mage. And um, it it was basically a, a cacophony of the group baking, breaking the module almost every <laughs> every day that we played. And I say that in, Who, in, a, in a great way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I think the thing that was the major turning point that really made me have to grow, I think, as a GM and figure out what to do is there was a point where the group, we had a running joke that they had a portable hole in a bag of holding in, in sort of oh, D&D lore. If you combine the two, it suddenly rips into the, you know, a portal to the astral plane, uh, whatever is sucked in is dumped there. And um, it was sort of this running joke of making sure, like, are you guys keeping them separated? Like, hey, where's this? Who has this? And inevitably, during a tense moment in the middle of a battle, um, they slipped up. I think, or I don't know, I don't want to point any fingers, but something happened. And it may or may one, not have been me. Um, and yep. it, it actually wasn't both of those things. It was one and then a spell. It was, it was rope trick. Rope yeah, trick, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which was taking some liberties, but it, it was a great yep. moment. And um, so I think you got sucked in. And then it basically, I gave everybody, I sort of took a beat, which I think is going to be the main lesson I have for anybody. And this is true for, I think, improv or for whatever you're doing is there's often a sense that you have to fill that space. I think that void. Um, and we do a decent job with it when we take our breaks, I think, in our other show under the library. Um, for Michael, if there's a good time when you need to just take a minute to say, uh, I need to figure things out because this this is a change. And there's that's okay. Right. You don't have to fill that gap with something and immediately. Yes. And um, that you can take a pause. Right. So took a minute and said, OK, uh, there's now this void. Everyone has sort of a decision. Do you want to jump in or not? And that was sort of the the go or no go. And they did. Um, and then I had to figure out how do you like retrofit all of the prior edition, like astral plane material um, into this campaign work a whole narrative out of it that somehow gets them back if they do you know into the module they were playing if they did it that's a whole separate story um and then took the week to sort of look through the module and there's a way to get back there's sort of portals to the astral plane so they did um and i was like that's great this is this like is a wonderful bow to this story this is like just a wonderfully i can do this little narrative arc they get this weird wonky experience floating around in this other plane and then back to the material the problem is that sort of that that was that would be really nice, but they came back 
And then they sort of stumbled their way backwards through the rest of the module. And the problem is these modules are written in a very like forward dynamic, right? Where there's a narrative building element as you're going through, figuring out the ecosystem of each sort of plane or level of each dungeon. So can I clarify something? Did yeah. they come out at the other end of the module? Sorry, they yeah, have the yeah. opportunity to go backwards. <laughs> yeah, that was the, that was the issue. So the 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 portal they could come back, and if I really wanted to make this like a a lovely little bookend, was like I don't know, we'll say like level seventeen of twenty three, and they like left on like level I don't know six or seven, and so like they jumped ahead like ten levels deep in this like mega dungeon, and then they decided to like stumble their way backwards. And what happens is when you do that you stumble back into like the big bad's lair of the prior level without knowing any of the history or any of the dynamics. And so they just sort of went backwards, um, just sort of unending each level and having to sort of spend each episode or an episode each time figuring out how to give that weight and narrative and yet allowing them to learn things and maybe move things around so that they still got an experience out of it and then having to sort of scale based on where they are so they still had an enjoyable adventure and it just didn't become a lot of like high level one shots you know you know romping through um and that really so was a yeah arc i'm just cutting out. in because this sounds like a great topic for another episode yeah but it's <laughs> right. not talking about what you do as a gm to to kind of solve this situation. So I wanted to ask, would it have been possible for you to just bring them back through a different portal? Like, yeah. I don't know, I don't know the module, but nope. did you do yep. this to yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I just, I like having sort of- <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm just- 100%, yeah. Yeah. no, okay. you're, you're your own worst enemy, but also like, it's it's great for narrative building, right? So you could do it any which way. And I think that's that's a fair point, getting back on the discussion, right? That you, it's your, your journey. And you're just sort of the narrative um, and wherever they take you, you can sort of just shepherd that. Um, and I and I, we sort of went one way and it, it worked out in the end. It was great. It was a great narrative. But if they didn't, um, that's OK. And you just sort of can build a whole different branch. And that may have been a whole different adventure that you could have built off of. And um, I think being OK with the unknown in those settings and allowing the players to sort of dictate is another sort of learning point uh, that I had through that whole experience. Cool. Well, thank you. So that sounds like. If we were going to say how did this happen, it might have been a artifact of the improv. Like you just decided to bring them back in one place instead of another. On and multiple so that's levels, kind of how we ended up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And that, and that the problem itself, and that problem, but the the MacGuffin was also an, a narrative improv that then needed mm -hmm. to be solved by another narrative yeah, yeah. improv. It's like you tell one lie and you end up having to tell more. So, uh, but it was great in this setting that it allowed a lot of story building and improv and creative, you know, joint um, narrative solving, which I think is is wonderful in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so, credit to you. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Emily. I just, I just wanted to, yeah, to yeah, give Rick some props here. Um, credit to you that that the easy thing to do in that situation would have been to just creatively kill off my character right oh, you know i mean yeah. <laughs> I, I that that would have been the easy thing to do then you wouldn't have had a problem um but you wouldn't have had this uh this great chance to create this really cool side bit um that wound up really we have some pretty wacky stories from being in that other realm um, it, it gave you an opportunity to tell a story that you wouldn't have otherwise had you just taken the easy road. 
Yeah, and I think the lesson for anyone there in that moment is um, you don't have to make an assumption that someone's going to die immediately, right? Or, or what the end result of an action is going to be. Like the mystere there, right, was giving people the autonomy to jump in or not, not knowing if everybody was just going to have a massive TPK of their own doing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's that's like that you're empowering the players with this like, you know, spontaneous moment of challenge that uh, sort of came up. Um, and then you have, you know, whatever time period to decide what's going to happen. You leave your players in this sort of fun sense of suspense. Um, and then you can choose to go one way or the other. And, uh, you know, I think I told you guys maybe have another character ready just to sort of mess with you a little bit. And then <laughs> yeah. then we sort of went down that road. But it was fun. Right. And it's taking those up, using those as gifts. Right. I think that's the term that I would probably say in those moments, mm-hmm. looking as gifts and not ways to just take an easy road, maybe um, um, using them as opportunities. Yeah. And, and just a, a lesson learned. If you're ever um, in a game where Rick is GMing and he asks for clarification about, are you sure you want to do that? Or do you want to pick that thing up? Or do you want to go in that door? The answer is no. No, you don't. <laughs> oh, good takeaways from this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Next time you play with Rick. Yeah. Right. Okay. okay. So you improv yourself into a situation. You improv your way out of it. I want to know what happens if you, as the GM, have a plan and then the dice just to go against you over and over. How much control do you have in that situation? How can you regain control? Uh, for instance, in a situation where they're, you know, you're in a battle and you just 20, 20, 20 and your creature's dead, whatever. Mm-hmm. Does anybody have a thought on that? I, I think Michael should have a thought on that because there was a real life instance where that happened. <laughs> well, the, and there's been a couple, but I, I, I mean, the big, the big thing for me that I think I I've learned just like Rick is that uh, there's always an opportunity to take a moment. And, um, and, and I think also when we're new at GMing, that that sometimes there is the easy answer and that's not the wrong answer either right that that's that's part of hey figuring this out and you de- you decide if you like it so uh, you know in terms of or, or if it works for your group so in terms of if if he had killed off art's character mm-hmm. and that was the solution uh and that's what that's what kind of kept his ability to gm and and feel good about the story and i'm sure art would have been okay with that right then in yeah. terms of it would have been an acceptable solution that, that that that's okay too and that part of what we're talking about are, are these solutions that you grow into and you become more comfortable the longer you you gm and you know i i'm i'm at a space with y'all right now where there, there's not too much that feels out of field right even when you know, we thought it was the character throat punching, but it just turns out if you meet Rick on the street, you want to keep a good four and a half feet distance from him. Um, but but for real, you know, like that that instance, I think, you know, five, six years ago, I probably would have handled much differently in that like I would have been like, OK, this character made a bad choice and the character's going to like pay for that now. It was like kind of like very if A, then B. But but there was um, that really had the potential to like create a lot of turmoil. But we took the beat and and we paused there, and I, and then I was able to like kind of think through alternatives to that situation. Um, in terms of like losing losing your big baddie right off the bat, 
Uh, I'm assuming this is a Savage Worlds, but uh, as you're talking about it, Art, I'm not remembering it. So you're going to have to. No, I was talking about the end of season one of Under the Library um, when all those roles led to an outcome that you were not expecting and didn't didn't necessarily want to happen. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's where my mind went. And it was the opposite, right? Is when all the group's roles tanked um, instead Mm. of critically succeeding and just walloping uh the massive evil uh everybody couldn't like find their knives and uh, (laughs) you know like tripped over their own shoelaces uh and and that one you know we've talked about on here but i Mm -hmm. like that's one that i would change right and i don't think i was as comfortable taking the beats there um that as i as i should have been or as i wanted to be i guess not should have been but as i wanted to be and and if I had it to do over again, I would, right? Uh, and I, I would have like thought a little bit more about the alternatives there. So I think that's a perfect kind of live case of, um, but did the world end? No. Did did the table still have fun? Right. I, I think so. Were we mm-hmm. all a bit feeling a bit of loss after that? Absolutely. Like 100%. And you know, again, is that a terrible thing for the table? No, that's that's where our narrative ended up as a group. Um, we were all open to that possibility, and we like all fought, felt the loss of those characters, and we still do. The great part about that experience is that now informs a lot of our decisions. Does that mean I I'm like protective of your characters? No, they're mm-hmm. still as fragile as they ever <laughs> ever were. Um, and but you know just giving it gave me now the space to think about the those alternative possibilities and sometimes like the survival of those characters especially in call of cthulhu is worse than than them going out in a blaze of glory so Um, if we were to put a big spoiler warning for end of season one right here would you give maybe a concrete idea of a place you don't have to say this would have happened instead but at least a place where you could have found some space within those roles to change the outcome like how do you how would you do that well my 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 general and and i'm always open to whatever happens in the episode but my thought was that this was going to be a pretty um, bloody moment in terms of the story right and that there was going to be some character loss my thought was at least one character was going to make it out of there And, and the the thread of that character was going to allow us to kind of continue on. Uh, I, I also didn't want to force anything in that moment. And so why I went with the dice rolls, which were like, they were, they weren't just 96s. As I recall, they were all 99s and 100s. Like it was just as critically bad as it could go. Um, But if I was to go back, right. I, you know, I think there's plenty of space for somebody to be, really wounded and left behind and the next week somebody's new character discovers them and you know easily we can pull the plot thread for forward from there with these new characters who've discovered and maybe that maybe that wounded character doesn't survive three or four more episodes maybe their whole purpose is to just move us forward uh, and I guess I should say in sessions, but to move us forward one session or two sessions, right? It still doesn't disregard the lethality of the moment, 
but it allows our story to kind of move forward. So and I'm going to be really, yeah, really sorry, nitpicky and just ask one more question. Do you yeah. mean that when you're behind the scenes rolling for your monster, you might actually change the role? Like, you know, four damage instead of five. So this person has one hit point instead of zero. So they can be laying on the ground for Ooh. the, I mean. I Yeah. So no, I, I don't, in my mind, um, Especially once we're that far along, if you're early, early game and you're just trying to like, and all of a sudden somebody's character is going to get one shot at as they like walk out their front door, then, then sure. Like that's not really kind of fun for the players or, um, or the storytelling, but when we're that late in, into a session, right? Like, and I mean, we're, we've, we've been at the table for hours and hours and hours, and we know that, that dying's a point. It's not a matter of like, um, are those are uh, are those monsters hit points killing the character it's it's just a matter of when and so now we're just talking about furthering out the narrative here for a few moments um, oh so like they could still go to zero you don't change the roles but in your story they're just you know the timeline of going blood to coming right. out with every breath for the next three hours and then somebody walks in and finds them Right. Exactly. Right. And and so you're you're not talking about changing the outcome because if if I start changing the outcome of the dice, then I'm railroading the story mm -hmm. to what I want it to be. I'm not allowing yeah, for yeah. the chance that uh, which is why we're playing. And so uh, you know we're just talking about like changing the timeline on which that occurs. No, that makes sense. And but, did you have something to add? Yeah, I mean that's a big philosophy question that I think as a GM, you have to sort of sort out. And I think that changes over time. I think I was more apt to doing that earlier on, the changing the dice to help with the narrative, um, than allowing the dice to help guide things a little bit, right? That's the essence of it, I think, is the like, the dice guide the way, right? That That's the randomness, that chance element that makes things exciting, both for the GM and the players. There are things you can do that aren't dice manipulation right or or forging things i think on the dm side um if you're in situations where uh dice are going a different way and you just want to maybe extend the combat because you want to have the players have that sense of this was like a well-fought battle um you can change maybe the hp right the health of a creature but not necessarily ac so they're still getting hits um, so they're still able to actually feel like they're able to take this big thing down, but they're able to get more of these, you know, awesome cinematic moments. However, maybe maybe those series of 20s from your players, we've had those where uh, the group has taken down a big bad really quickly. Um, and they love it. And what I enjoy in those moments is saying, OK, we're going with it. How do you finish this off? What do you guys look like in this moment of this sort of cinematic you know, group of adventurers, these heroes who, you know, laugh in the face of a giant, you know, beholder, right? Or something, you know, that normally would have intimidated them, you know, a year ago. And I think that then gives them that sort of wonderful autonomy. So it, it goes back and forth and it really comes down to A, your level of dynamic with your group and what you want in that moment as the narrative, you know, you know, storyteller. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think the issue with changing dice if you start doing that too much, I think it breaks some of that trust between you and the players in that um, if you do that too much, it, it can sometimes, I think, put a kink in the game um, between you guys. And, and that's something I would say, if you're going to do it, do it seldom and do it sort of in key moments that they don't maybe necessarily are overtly aware of that are that are key and fixed. But I, I wouldn't make that a crunch. Yeah, or, yeah I, I'm, I'm a big 
proponent of not changing the dice, right? Because otherwise, why have them in the game? And and in yeah. those moments where I think about changing them, the the only thing that I'll allow myself, if it's A, I feel like it it's really pertinent to the narrative, then I'll allow for some sort of outside event, but it has to roll its own self out. Like it has to resolve itself. So whatever the initial role was, that that event's not changing, but I'm, you know, I might think of another narrative event that possibly could be happening outside of that. And I'll roll to see if that's occurring, which would have some sort of ancillary effect, but wouldn't directly oh, change cool. what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I I would go so far as to say that um, if you're if you're trying to construct a narrative collaborative event, that if combat is the conclusion, then you might want to rethink that conclusion. Uh, that I, I think that the the conclusion should be story driven and not combat driven. Uh, yeah. that the combat should support the story. Uh, so if there is this big bad and that that's the end of the thing, give that big bad some sort of story reveal, um, you know, that the sort of the, the villain narrating at the end kind of thing. Um, make that the drama at the end and not the combat itself. Yeah, that's a great like point. Like how, how great would it be to broker a deal with your big bad? Well, right, like, that's happened in our yeah, group. It has, you guys, yeah. right? There was a giant demon lord that popped up after a ceremony wasn't botched by the group, and it happened. And it was sort of this moment where they were sort of challenged. And I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is just going to demolish this group of like six or seventh level characters. <laughs> and then you guys narratively went through and it and didn't become a big battle, a slaughter and a TPK. But some of you sort of became like disciples of this big bad. And, you know, I was able to work that in narratively, right? So, yeah, those moments, right, where you can, you don't have to immediately pick up pick up the axe and, and and go at it right and then give the players the chance to have that narrative interaction um and and i think give the respect to the big bads right a lot of these are like big things that necessarily i don't need to kill this little fly right like i gotta fun with it in some way right and that is that is where you can get into some fun narrative twist as well yeah mm -hmm. yeah so i just want to ask because I'm wondering, was this when I had a cameo as like a buddy of the demon that was trying to convince somebody in the group to um, like uh, bribe them and yeah. nobody got it? Yeah, nobody got it. Um, that's this happened multiple times. <laughs> that okay. was one of them. And so it is a tool that you could certainly use plus or minus and bringing in a guest, a guest, uh, a guest player to throw the your group off a little bit. And I like that, to be honest with you, as a GM and that it takes the I, I'm able to you know, take my hands off the story and then have this this interaction between, right, like a guest coming in as an NPC, given, you know, a, a general backstory, but allow them to have that interaction and have that come out in this sort of organic way um, is, is another sort of maybe tool that we haven't talked about that is sort of a fun one to keep in your back pocket. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, unless anybody else has any burning points to make, I think we've hit a lot of great great thoughts in this episode and i think as far as takeaways we have some pretty clear advice which is awesome it doesn't always feel that way <laughs> but first of all depending on your comfort level with improv and with gming the easy answer can be okay 
but also don't be afraid to try to go a different direction. The end result of an action doesn't always have to be death. You can take some risks and maybe, you know, have a cliffhanger in a week to think about it and take a beat, take a breath. Don't make your decision under duress. You can have the time that you need, even if it means like everybody goes and gets a drink for 10 minutes, goes to the bathroom, whatever, comes back just to feel like you have control of the story. And as just a little side note, I loved what Michael said there near the end about if you really feel like you're in a crunch and the dice are against you and there's nothing you can do, well, maybe something else happens in the next room over and that could, an ancillary event could affect what's happening in your main action without you actually trying to change the dice or fight the story. With that, we'll wrap up another episode of Up Your RPG. Thanks for joining us. You can always find more information at upyourrpg.com. Hopefully we've contributed to your game. Now go find a table. <laughs>